0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But we've been talking about Jesus Christ's power so far. And and so far we've seen his power over the natural realm, over nature, over the supernatural realm, the demons. And now we're looking at his power over sickness and death. And he's teaching the disciples and us, because we're his disciples, he's teaching us an important lesson on faith. Will we react to life's trials with fear or faith? That's what this Mark 4 and 5 is all about. Will we react to life's trials with fear or faith? And he's showing us that he's got it all covered. The natural, the supernatural sickness and death, he covers it all. And last week we saw Jesus has power over sickness. Once again, if you weren't here, get the CD or you can get on the podcast there. But there's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And she touched his clothes and was healed. And Jesus tells her, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. And that was part one. But I gave you an assignment because... I ask you to really dig down deep and try to find yourself in this story because it's a lot more than just Jesus healing this woman or the ability to heal us. An even deeper healing is promised here, is pictured here, which is critical to each one of us. Let's read the passage here. And I'm going to pray again before we do read it. Father, we just thank you for the worship. And now we thank you for your word and pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word, and prepare us for this communion worship Sunday. We ask for your mercy and grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's read the passage. In Mark 5, 24, where he says, a large." So Jesus went with him, a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to get the CD because it really brings out so many powerful parts of this passage about jesus healing and the dodo disciples you know they're missing the whole point of what he's trying to do you know they're like they're like rock stars you know like make way make way make way for jesus you know they're trying to you know clear the crowd out keep everybody away from jesus this woman somehow manages to get healed and they could care less they're just focused on you know the next concert you know and so but jesus is focused on this woman there's just some really awesome stuff in here but But once again, the real point yesterday, last week, was that it's showing Jesus Christ's healing power. But far more important is this. It's a picture of our spiritual healing. This is a picture of each one of us and our spiritual healing. And to really understand that part of it, we have to revisit Leviticus 15. Remember last week we looked at Leviticus 15? We have to revisit this passage here where it talks about a bleeding woman. And in Leviticus 15, verse 25, starting with that, listen to what it says. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. "...any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean, as is her bed during her monthly period, and anything she sits on will be unclean, as during her period. Whoever touches them will be unclean. He must wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he will be unclean till evening. When she is cleansed from her discharge, she must count off seven days, and after that she will be ceremonially clean." On the eighth day, she must take two doves or two young pigeons and bring them to the priest at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. The priest is to sacrifice one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will make atonement for her before the Lord for the uncleanness of her discharge. You must keep the Israelites separate from the things that make them unclean, so they will not die in their uncleanness for defiling my dwelling place, which is among them. And so we see this this picture of the bleeding woman. Remember, she had it for 12 years. No one could touch her for 12 years. That's what her her uncleanness did. It cut her off. And it reminds us of the lepers. There's other passages in the law about leprosy. And someone who has leprosy, nobody could touch that person. And the leper had to just walk with his head covered, yelling, unclean, unclean, Warning people stay away from me. Think of the pain of that. We talked about that before in the different Gospels and the the idea is that for both of them they're unclean to touch they cannot be touched now that sounds kind of cruel in a way but we have to understand something the old testament law the law given by Moses the old testament law is a physical picture of a spiritual reality understand that The law, the Old Testament law given by Moses is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. And I'm going to connect the dots here for you. Sickness and death, which Jesus is showing his power over, they are a visible picture of sin and the effects of sin. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. Sickness and death are a visible picture of sin and the effects of sin. What sin does to us all? Spiritually, this is what sin does to us all spiritually, it maims us and kills us, just like disease and death. That's what sin does to all of us spiritually, but we can't always see it, can we? We can't always see visibly what sin is doing to us. ...or make the connection immediately... ...because a lot of times we sin... ...and it takes years for the effects to catch up to us... ...we tell a lie and it doesn't catch up to us for years... ...and you can think of a lot of other sins... That, ...and we think we get away with them... ...we think it's not bothering anybody... ...not affecting us... ...but years later it comes around... And, and, ...and that's when it maims... ...we see the connection... but ...but we can't always see it visibly... ...or make the connection immediately with sin... ...so God has given us something we can't miss a flashing message of what sin is doing to us. You catching that? We can't, you know, we, we just sin all the time. A lot of us on the way here, we sin, right? Since we got here, we've sinned. But, but you can't see the effect right away so, because it's, a lot of times it's invisible initially, what it's doing to us spiritually. So God has given us a physical picture that we cannot miss the effect of what sin is doing to us spiritually. It's a flashing message. We can't miss what's happening. Disease and death. Disease and death are a visible picture of what sin is doing to us. It's a picture that sin is destroying us. People say, where where does pain and suffering come from? The Bible teaches it comes from our sin. It's from our sin. Not just Adam and Eve, and not just how we've all shared, shared in that sin, but even a regular, We every day, we, every time we choose to sin, we're choosing disease and death. Pain and suffering come from us. And why does God allow pain and suffering? Because he gives us a free choice. And we have chosen, the human race has chosen, sin and pain and suffering. God doesn't, give us pain and suffering he allows us to choose it and we have chosen every one of us has chosen pain and suffering why does god allow it because he's given us a free choice but this is also he also gave it to us as a wake-up call as a constant message of a wake-up call every time we feel pain Every time we experience sickness, every time we experience grief and and see death and, and we grieve the death, every time we see it or grieve it, it's an inescapable reminder of cosmic justice, that the law has been broken by sin and that a price must be paid. And it's also a visible reminder, an inescapable reminder, that sin is a lie. That sin is a lie. It's not fun and fulfilling, which is what we are tempted to believe, that it's fun and fulfilling. It's not. In reality, it's hurting us, and someday it's going to kill us. Think of drugs. If you've ever battled drugs or you've tried to help somebody who is battling drugs or, or any kind of addiction that, like drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're, you're battle with, you know what it, what, how hard it is if you have a teenager trying to get them to quit using drugs. Well, it's hard because it's so much fun, it makes them feel good. Yeah, it does, but we know the outcome. It makes them feel good for a short time, but in time it becomes an addiction that takes over their life and destroys them. And, 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 and that's what sin is like. that's what God is like for God trying to get us off of sin. We all have a drug. We all have a sin, don't we? Every one of us has something. Many of us have more than one thing. You know, we have a lot of things that that it's like the same thing God is like this parent and he says the reason he says don't sin isn't he's trying to ruin our fun, but he knows it's like a drug. That sin looks good, it's tempting, but in the end it's going to destroy us. It's not the way we were meant to live. It's not the way that we are meant to find our fulfillment. It's a lie. Lust is a lie. It's the flip side of of love. But it's a lie. And yeah, it's like a drug. It makes you feel good initially, but in time it destroys you spiritually. It destroys your marriage. It destroys families. It's a lie. That's an easy one. You can connect the dots with anything that we struggle with. And God is like this parent who's trying to warn us, don't use that drug. It's a lie. It, it's a deception. It's going to kill you. It's going to maim and in time kill you. So back to, the, back to sickness. Sickness is a physical manifestation of, Of a spiritual reality. A physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. Of what sin is doing to us. Sickness is showing us. What sin is doing to us. On a regular basis. It's happening to us spiritually. Only we can't see it initially. We can experience it in time. We can't see it initially. Sickness hurts us. I'll give you a picture here. Sickness hurts us. And if it's not treated and healed. What will it do? It will kill you. It will kill us. That's what sickness will ultimately do. Even a little cut, we're we kinda of, we don't realize this now because of, of antibiotics, but you know, throughout much of history, a little cut on your finger could kill you. It could, could become infected. Soldiers who used to fight, they would get a little little sword wound and they'd die from it. It's far back. is not just World War One. It wasn't World War II that we got the antibiotics. World War One, people would die from little tiny wounds. People would get a cut in their finger, you know, in the colonial times, and they would die from it. People would die from colds. See, what's a cold? It was a big deal. You see, I'm not going to catch my death of cold. There was a reason people would often die of colds, because. But now we can treat a lot of these things, and we don't die. But that's what sickness will do. Sickness hurts us and if it's not treated it will kill us and that's what that's what sickness will do sickness also cuts us off from contact with other people when we get sick we're, a lot of people here aren't here today i know they got colds so they called them sick we're not gonna be there emailed uh it cuts us off from contact i'll give you a picture of that at our house <clears throat> there's one sickness that kim tries to avoid you have an earache, come on over and play, no problem. You know, But, but if it's throwing up, don't come near our house, right? She will, it's the one time you're not welcome, right? Because at our house, if one person throws up, do the math. 15 people throw up, right? And once you go through 15, a lot of times it just morphs into something again and it goes, we've had to go through twice you know, months of throwing up, right? And so we have a sick room and Kim just locks them in and opens doors and sprays and sprays and she's terrified of throwing up. Why? <clears throat> because it's traumatic at our house, right? And and but that cuts Whoever is sick, they, I feel sorry. Little D was sick this week, and she's sitting in the sick room. And she, she was in there like all, you know, little cute. And Cam kept going and, you know, patting her on the head. And, and I'd go in and tease her. And, but, but, the, but it was like she was cut off. It was like kind of like sad, you know. But that's what happens to us. Sickness cuts us off from connection with other people. And if, and if we're not healed of that sickness, it results in death. And that really cuts us off from relationship with other people, right? I'm going to connect the dots again here. That's what sin does. Just as sickness does this, can kill us and cut us off from relationship, that's what sin does to us. It breaks our relationships. It alienates us from our holy God, our Father in heaven. It alienates us from him. It breaks our fellowship. First of all, if you're not a Christian... It, there's a, a wall between you and God that is not broken down. You have you cannot have a relationship with, with God until that sin is atoned for. We saw that before. And if we do become a Christian and we sin, it breaks our fellowship. It doesn't break our relationship. He's still our father. But it breaks our fellowship until we make it right, which we'll talk about in a little bit. That's what communion is all about. And also, not the, only does it break our relationship with God... But it hurts our relationship with other people, just like sickness and being in the sick room. When we sin, every time we lie to someone, a wall, another brick goes up in that wall, doesn't it? Every time we lust, another brick goes up in the wall in some relationship with the person we're lusting after or our, our, our spouse. Every time we slander somebody. A brick goes in the wall. Every time we sin, it affects a relationship with somebody. In ourself, even if they're not aware, we feel the brick going up. It goes up. And it also robs us of a full life. It robs us. It robs us of joy. It robs us of peace. It robs us of our purpose. That's why God says don't sin. It's not so we can't have fun. He's trying to keep us from losing our purpose. And, 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 and he wants us to enjoy our full life life that we're supposed to have. John 10.10. In John 10.10, Jesus says the thief, talking about Satan, the thief comes only to kill I'm sorry, to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to defeat sin in our life so that we can have life to the full. Sin steals and and kills and destroys, but Christ gives us life to the full. And, And that's the lie in our culture that that somehow sin is going to make us happy, and it's not. It's a lie. It's stealing our happiness. I was talking to a, a, an old friend this week, and he was telling me about his wife and how they're divorcing, and, and, he, and he said, well, you won't, I just don't know what happened. She just said she wants to be happy, and so she's off doing her thing, but that her choice of trying to be happy, first of all, we know she's not going to be happy. I'm, the route she's taking is, obvious at that end, but also it's destroyed my friend, it's destroying their children, the effect is already all over their family, the damage, also that she could be happy. Doesn't matter if a hundred other people are destroyed, she's got to be happy. And guess what? She will end up her life in misery. Misery. Because sin always does that to us. It's a lie. Jesus came to give us Life and give it to us to have it so we could have it in full. So back to sickness. Sickness is really a picture of sin and its true effects. And there is no human help or cure. This woman, no doctor could help her. No amount of money could help her. There was no human cure for her. And there is no human cure for sin. And its effects. No human can cure sin and its effects. You need proof of that? We all die. Ultimately, every one of us here, unless there's a rapture before, which would be nice, wouldn't it? But unless there's a rapture first, every person here is going to get sick and die of something. Every one of us. That's the proof that no one can cure sin and cure us spiritually. How do we know it? Because no one can cure us physically. Science can't do it. Science might be able to add a few years to our life, but it cannot help us live forever. No, There is no man-made cure for our spiritual disease that we have. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. There's no man-made way. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. You cannot earn your way through, through human effort. No religion, no man-made religion can do it. All these man-made attempts to f- focus on what we must do, the world religions and the cults, all of them, every one of them besides biblical Christianity, because it's not a religion, that's a relationship, but all the religions is focused on what you must do to get right with God. But there's nothing that you can do. It's impossible. Science, philosophy, psychology can never cure and heal the human soul. There is no man-made answer. There is only one cure. We must be healed by Jesus Christ. We must be healed by Jesus Christ. And the Greek word, remember last week I talked about the word here for heal? is the same word used for save. It's the same word. It's what it's a picture of. This healing is a picture of our salvation. Biblical salvation is when we pass from death and judgment into life through forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That's what salvation We're saved from our sin and saved from hell and saved from death. And we're given life in Jesus Christ in eternity and with, with God someday in heaven. That's what it means to be saved through forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We can't earn it. We can only receive it through faith in Jesus Christ. We cannot earn this. We can only receive it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We can only receive this gift through faith in Jesus Christ. We can only re- we put our faith in God's grace, the giving of his son Jesus Christ. We put our faith, our trust in it. That. That's the only way. This woman's faith healed her. Our faith saves us. Same word. It's a picture. Her faith healed her, our faith saves us. We all have a disease of the soul. Every one of us is unclean. Every one of us starts out life uh, Barred from God's presence because of our uncleanness. We cannot go into his presence. And all the human effort in the world cannot change this no matter how sincere it is. All of our effort, all the systems that people have set up to try to get right with God or to to make things right somehow in their life, on all the meditation and the humming and the the stretching they do, it's not going to bring them peace with God. It doesn't even bring peace here on earth. No matter how sincere it is, it doesn't do a thing. Only a touch from Jesus Christ can heal and save us. And that's why he died on the cross for us. He had to die on the cross for us. He he became unclean so that we could become clean. He took our uncleanness on himself. He took the the leprosy, the the blood, the sin, which is a picture of, he took it all on himself. He paid the price for the law that was broken. God's cosmic law was broken, and the, and the, and the, the, the effects of sin, he took it all on himself. Jesus Christ broke the power of sin, the power of sickness, and the power of death on the cross. And the proof that we have is the resurrection. That's the proof. It's the resurrection is our proof. Have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you ever been saved from your sin? Have you ever allowed Jesus to touch your life and to heal you and to save you? Have you ever reached out to him in faith? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? And those of us who have put our faith in Christ, are we coming to Jesus Christ on a regular daily basis for his healing, cleansing touch? We need it constantly, don't we? Anybody here have a bad week? I'm guessing a few of you have. I'm guessing a lot of us have. We need to constantly come to him for his healing, saving, cleansing touch. Because we constantly are unclean. Every time we sin, we're unclean. Now, in God's presence, positionally, we're clean. Righteous in his sight, but on a daily basis, practically, we, we are unclean. We watch something, we listen to something, we do something, we think something. We, there's, it doesn't take long to get unclean, does it? But we have to keep coming to him for his cleansing touch, and that's what First 1 John 1, 1.9 is all about. First 1 John 1, 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. It's a daily coming to Jesus Christ and asking him to cleanse us and to forgive us. And, God, I, I, I can't believe I just did what I just did or thought what I just thought. And I'm struggling. I'm weak. I need your mercy. I need grace. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me. Please give me the grace to, 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 to move past this today. It's that constant coming to him for that cleansing. Just as this woman reached out to his, for, and, and grabbed his cloak for her, her cleansing... Every day we need to be reaching out for Jesus Christ, constantly, all day. Please cleanse me. Please forgive me. Please give me grace. Are we reaching out to Him? And that's what communion is all about. Communion is a reminder that we need this cleansing time. We do it every month. It's a, con- it's a reminder that we need this cleansing, this cleansing. Communion is a time to come before God and to remember what it is. We're remembering that He died, that Jesus died on the cross. He gave his body, the bread. He gave his blood, the, the grape juice. He gave that for us. He died on the cross for us so that we could be cleansed. It's a reminder of that. And, and what we do is when we take it, we're remembering that he died on the cross for us and he sacrificed for us. But it's also a cleansing time, a time to confess our sin. To Jesus, to make things right with other people, to commit to making things right, whatever God, however He speaks to us, and the Bible's really clear. It, it, tells, it says two reasons why we shouldn't take the Lord's, prayer, Lord's Supper. One is if we have, if we aren't a Christian, we shouldn't take it. That's really clear. If you're not ready to put your faith in Christ yet, then wait. It's okay. There's nobody's judging you. Wait till you've really, but I hope everybody does take that step. But the second thing is that there's something we're not willing to surrender. We're not willing to confess. We're not willing to say, God, Jesus, I want to touch your robe and be cleansed of this. And and, and I want to fight this. And That doesn't mean we're perfect, but we're, we're asking him to help us to fight this. We need his grace to fight this battle. If we're not willing to do that, it's clear, don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. But I hope everybody here will reach out for Jesus. No matter what's going on this week, no matter what's going on today, no matter what battle we're facing, we'll reach out and commune with him. Let's pray. Father, you've given us a very visible picture of what sin does. It maims us. It sickens us. It kills us. It kills our souls. It battles against the spirit in us. Lord, I pray that every time we see sickness, every time we see death, it would remind us, not why is this happening, but God, thank you for the reminder of how important it is that I fight this spiritual battle in me, in this world. Thank you for the reminder that I'm seeing what sin really does. It doesn't fulfill It hurts and kills. I pray that you would remind us of that every time we experience sickness or we see sickness. But also be reminded, Lord, that you have the power that you've given your son, Jesus Christ, power over sickness and power over sin and power over death itself. That he won that victory on the cross. And he proved that victory by his resurrection from the dead. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I want to encourage you. To pray the prayer of faith. To reach out for Jesus Christ. Ask him to heal you. Ask him to save you. Say, God, I I don't want sin anymore. I repent of sin. I don't want it. I know it's destroying me. I know it's going to kill me spiritually and physically. I repent of sin. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus who died for me who died on the cross to pay for my sin to set me free I put my faith in him I give my life to Jesus if you've prayed that prayer from your heart then you have been healed you've been saved through Jesus Christ and you can commune with God God your Father, anytime now. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, as we go to this time of communion, let's make it a time of cleansing, a time of purifying, a time of confession. Holy Spirit, please move in a powerful, special way in each of us. You know the battles that we're fighting. You know the discouragements that we have. You know our struggles. We pray for your mercy and grace. In Jesus name